All right, recording. Office hours. This is nine. We did eight. Hey, uh, can we do two? Tim, everyone put two up on our team. Ben, will you put one? Oh, well, now we got one. Let's try to get to number nine. Uh, there you go. Okay, there we go. There we go. Nine. <laughs> Office hours number nine. This has been a ton of fun. Every week we get together 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We jam. Uh, Justin is a lover of jam. Sometimes it's just our team. Uh, other times we have wonderful guests. And today we have two wonderful guests. One of them being Justin Finkelstein. Uh, I said legendary walk and talker and all around smart guy, genius, good person. And also Benjamin uh, from Nonfiction Research. And very happy to have him here. Uh, you've got a lot going on in your life. Your family's expanding, Ben. And so we know your time is valuable and you still came. You're still here. I'm I'm awake at all hours these days. We added a third. Uh, we have three boys. We added our third uh, a couple weeks ago, but um, easing back into the work world. And uh, I don't know. This is a fun. This is a fun call. Okay. This is an awkward call. So I'm I'm excited about this one. I'm glad to see that you you don't actually look like you're too tired. You look happy well, still. Well, it's this. <laughs> oh, it's this, right? Okay. Time today. This is artificial. I'm artificially popped up here. But. Okay, that's okay. We'll we'll get you through. We'll pump you through. Ben's yeah. gonna hang around for 30 minutes here, and then he can. I, I'm doubting you're having a nap after that, but uh, hopefully. Yeah. Um, we are, first of all, huge fans of nonfiction. We were originally introduced by Justin. Justin, I'm not sure if you want any to add any context to how this all came together. Um. I, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, you know, do as quickly as possible as Justin can do. Yeah. Um, I met Tyler around end of February last year um, through, I think, a LinkedIn comment, and we were just into the DMs and you know started uh, speaking late and, and decided to move our, our our relationship to having live um, Zooms. Met Ben. Ben came to one of our jam sessions um, at year, and then it was just really passionate people. You know, people. You know that. Um, uh, teams and people that I just really like being around and, you know, can't, they can't, neither of you can seem to shake me. And then we did a jam <laughs> session in November where um, you got introduced and we just been off to the races and just figuring out um, exciting ways for the groups to partner and been pretty successful at it so far. Beautiful. And Ben, uh, you know, not to put you on the spot, I know you're, you know, very good at talking about what, what you do and you're doing some great work. So maybe just a little bit about nonfiction and just you yeah. personally, I uh, would love, love to hear. And let me say, I knew I was going to be buddies with Justin about 45 minutes after meeting him because we went through this like very, you know, it's like a, is at city. There's people from city there. We're like doing like the business thing that ends within 30 seconds. Justin figured out that I was from outside Philly. We're talking about ECW, which is the, uh, like fledgling wrestling promotion that got famous outside of Philly. So we're talking about like a, like hardcore nineties wrestling about 45 minutes after meeting him. So that's, that's the Justin magic, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that time to that thing. Um, yeah. So nonfiction research is um, sort of an unusual research company, which you don't hear a lot. People uh, don't normally form unusual research companies. They form unusual anything else. Right. Um, but our whole approach is to just get below what you see in a lot of research, which is surface level uh, kind of things, right? They're asking people about, you know, the, the same kind of things about their lives that you see in every research report. It doesn't really dig beneath the surface. It doesn't get at the real decision-making behind the thing. So everything we do, we're looking to get below that level. So like we did a secret financial lives report, which um, I think most of you have probably read, but it's not really about banks. It's about money and people's relationships with money and how that goes wrong. And uh, and how banks could be something to help it go better. And so in that report, you know, we're talking to convicted bank robbers to ask them how they could, how they would remake the financial services industry. Um, but that's a good flavor of what we do, right? Everything we do is we're going below the surface to try to get at that real human 
truth, the emotional part of, of living your life. Um, and we do it for some of the biggest companies in the world. And then we also put out uh, our own reports on topics that we care about. So that's it. That's the whole business. We kept it. We wanted to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. I love that you, in your, on, on your current website, you talk about how you'll risk your mental health, uh, for your, uh, you know, for your clients and, and for everything that you do. And I just think that's such a beautiful thing. I would be interested to know there is this breakdown of the research reports that you're generating. And then yeah. also the ones that you're doing for you know, client engagements and customer engagement. So what, like, what is the, I guess the, the breakdown. And then when you talk about also being unusual, um, you know, what are the challenges that of communicating that to some of the customers that you're working with or that you hope to work with? Yeah. So the good thing about the clients that we work with is a lot of times they're opting in before we go find them, right? They're coming to us and saying, Hey, I read this thing. Uh, I really like Secret Financial Lives or whatever it is, the playlist report or the intimacy report. Can you do that for blank for whatever their category is? And a lot of times there is that um, that like transferability. We can take the approach and apply it to something they're working on because nothing is really about um, nothing's really about the actual category, right? It's not about banking. It's about money and self worth. It's not really about um, CPG products. It's about like feeding your kids and how you express love to them, right? So everything kind of gets elevated up. And so I think the clients that opt in, at least now, maybe not in the beginning, people were talking to us and like, what the hell is this? What are you, what are you doing? But by now people, we've been around long enough, you know, we just started our fourth year, um, which is kind of crazy to even say that. But by now people have read the stuff, they know what they're getting into, I think, when they come to us. Um, and so that's kind of helped, like being really forthright with how we do research. It's helped us attract people who are like, like us and who want to do the research the way we do it. Um, and so it's been this little bit of like a flywheel effect for us. Careful. I, and you guys, anyone could jump in here, but I, I'm just curiously question also, and I know a bit of this, but still the context of you said, you know, someone reads secret life, you know, financial life of Americans, and then they come to you and they actually want to create an engagement and say, wow, we really love the work that you've done this research. Right. What does that process then look like for you actually engaging doing the research and then uh, de delivering that. And then also the outcomes that comes, like why is sure. this so valuable for the customers that you're sure. working with? Yeah, happy to talk about that. So um, we always anchor on that question. We literally call it a burning question and it has to be, it's a litmus test to work with us, right? It has to be a question that you don't know the answer to. You have to admit that. Uh, and not every organization is ready to admit that they don't know the answers to some really important questions, but the ones that are get the benefit of answering them with us. Um, and it is sort of a collaborative thing. So that's one, you have to have that question that you don't know the answer to. And if you had the answer, you would be able to do something with it. That's part two. Uh, we were not in the business of like answering questions so they can sit on the shelf somewhere and collect dust with the other research reports you've commissioned. We want it to turn into something. Like that's the, whether it's a client report or even our public ones, like people will say, uh, we'll, we'll get emails from banks that are like, hey, is it okay if we do the thing that you guys talked about in this report? Like, please, that's the whole, that's why it's free. And on our website, we want you, we're begging you to go do something with it, to take, um, to take that knowledge and turn it into like real products. That's not what we do, right? We're a research team. We stop after research and we rely on other groups to pick it up. Um, and then once we align on that question, it's really easy. We then, Gunny and I, uh, Gunny is my co-founder. We've worked together for about 10 years now. And the whole team that we have um, of brilliant researchers and strategists, we come at it with a pretty agnostic approach. Um, we think like, all right, what's the thing you would do if you wanted to answer this question? And sometimes that's a survey and other times that's one-on-one -on -one interviews. Sometimes it's immersion, but 
we don't limit it to that, right? We could run experiments. We could be in people's homes. Gunny was unchaperoned in a prison. Like we're reading, you know, our reports have like, you'll see like a Drake quote next to De Tocqueville. Like we really don't care where the answer comes from. And that gives us a lot of freedom and flexibility to kind of like go anywhere we want to go, right? And then typically over like eight to 12 weeks, we are solving that question in any way we can imagine, you're right, just trying to get to the answer. Um, and then we come back with what often looks like a standard research report, um, but it's it's beautiful. I think that's a big difference. So I think it gets attention in a way that uh, your typical like graphs and charts kind of thing doesn't. And it, I hope, gets at like the real heart of the issue instead of just reiterating what people know about the category. Um, and then we, we try to stick around and make sure that the client is is happy and is able to implement the things that we're finding in an interesting way. And that it's changing a little bit, right? So there's been more video work that we've done in the last couple months than we've ever done before. Um, we're always experimenting with new mediums and our clients are normally pretty innovative when that, that you know, in that, in that frame uh, of mind. And from our standpoint, we, like nothing's off the table. So I'm, I'm dying to do an oral history as a readout. Uh, I think we're gonna do a comic book at some point. Like we don't, I don't care what it looks like or what it is as long as it answers the question in the right way. So we are um, totally open when it comes to that point. I don't know if that, if that answers it, but that's, that's kind of our approach and it's fun, right? When you get yeah, to do that, it's exactly. a little bit more fun. And I, I think we don't feel like we're working jobs that like we feel like we're like solving little puzzles with our other weird friends, which is probably why I love you guys so much. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Two, two things stuck out to me there. The one is the, I need, I need, I would love to hear a little bit more on the immersion part. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is the, you, you mentioned the shift uh, part of it being to video. I'd be interested in what that looks like. Is that, are you talking about delivering the reports and part of that is through video? Yeah. I would love those two things so yeah. really stuck out to me. I'll go in reverse. So video is we're doing them mostly as recontacts. So we'll do interviews with people and we get what we need out of them, you know, and also build that intimacy. You know, a lot of times we've spoken with them three or four or five times by the time we get to the video. And then the video typically is an expression of the thing that we've talked about. So we tell them, you know, we ask them to go back and film a video doing a certain thing. There's some creative prompt that we come up with and it's not meant to uncover new findings, but it's meant to see them in their, in their element, in their habitat. And we do it both ways on purpose. Like the interviews, um, I don't know if everybody knows this or if you guys even know this, but we don't do interviews over video. We do no video, we do it over Zoom audio and it's meant to create like this, like we call it like a church confessional environment, Interesting. right? Interesting. You can't see the person and you'd be surprised when it feels more like a telephone call, how people open up. So that's meant to be the, the intimate confessional kind of thing. And then for those who are interested, um, oftentimes we'll have them go back with a different prompt and then, but then you see it, right? Then you, you, you have the initial, um, you have the initial storytelling from them, but now you're like seeing their lives. You're seeing the, uh, the dirty laundry piles. Like we had people do these videos of their lives and we didn't specify where they should do it, but they're just living their lives. So guess what? One guy's in his car. One guy's outside the daycare picking up his kid and he's like sneaking it in, right? He's making money. He's making 75 bucks, right? And that's when he has time to do it. And uh, it's just kind of, it's great to get both. You get the intimacy, but then you get the texture. Um, the first question you asked now is alluding me. What was the first one? Immersion. I want to know about the immersion. So immersion <laughs> are done. Our immersive practice is, uh, has been down 100% in the last year. It's a, I'm making up that stat, but you get it. Um, 
we it was core to what we did it's going to become core again and we found ways around that during covid but um we really go to where our uh people are so like we studied teachers for um we studied teachers for disney for a project we did with disney around uh they have like a whole program that just brings students on field trips into disney for educational experiences it's like only disney could do it right you're in a physics class they take you to space mountain and they turn on the lights and they start showing you the formulas and only disney right nobody else doing that um but when we did that project like gunny was on gunny's on like the back roads of georgia with these teachers he's in teacher lunchrooms. the teachers are talking about how how hard the parents are to work with you know uh you know gunny's like show, show me the form Show me the, the field trip form. He's seeing the forms like, no, I don't care how good you are at interviewing or writing surveys or whatever. There's no, there's no substitute for Gunny being in the, in the teacher lunchroom with like a box of donuts and going through the forms and you can't, can't replicate that. And that's what I, I think is part of the magic of what we bring is like, we're willing to put in the work. Gunny is, we send Gunny anywhere. <laughs> Gunny does. Yeah. Yeah, Gunny, picture picture him on a school bus. <laughs> yeah, I have too many kids. I yeah. can't go. But Gunny will go anywhere. Um, God bless him. And the rest of our team will too. And it just, it makes the difference, right? You can feel it in the research. It's a totally different kind of thing. And it doesn't cost a lot of time. It doesn't cost a lot of money. But the, the benefit is like off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. And again, feel encouraged to jump in anyone. I just, one thing I said, and one thing I've, I've loved you so much, Ben, and just the whole team at nonfiction is just like, you can feel the passion for your work when you speak. Like, you know, even with, you know, now three kids sleepy, you know, doing, it just comes right through. And I, I'm sure that that's just a huge driver for the success of your business and why you guys, you know, con to continue to grow. We love it. It's how we hire too, yeah. right? You have to want, you have to want to be here. A, you guys have all worked with people who didn't really want to be there. Yep. Sucks. Yeah, or, it does. <laughs> You yeah. can tell. Yeah. Well, and there's no, there's now that a little bit more of the, the, the selfish part that I'm, uh, you know, in, you know, interested in exploring a bit more, but one of the things that obviously you mentioned here is this, you're doing all, you know, doing a ton of interviews and a lot of those comes down to interviews, maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour and a half, depending on how talkative this person is. And if the, the time is worth it. And then now I know, I know you don't like dealing it with it, but it ends up in coming into audio files. And then those, those files are transcri transcribed. And then there's some analysis that's, that's being done. So without, you know, revealing any nonfiction secrets about how they do yeah. it, I'm trying to understand, like what we're trying to understand is great. You know, transcription for, for what we see is something that is, you know, commodified. There's tons of providers out there. As long as you can deliver a high quality transcript, that's a, a service that's valuable, but not necessarily pushing on to that next level. So what we're trying to figure out here and what we've been you know, talking to you about is what, what is beyond the transcription? Once the transcription is delivered, once the, the, the audio file is all captured, like what does that process look like? We're trying to understand that more and figure out how we produce yeah. more value in that place. So our, uh, and we're, we're thrilled to be working with you guys on this. And I think what you do with our transcripts or what you do on top of transcripts is different than what you get out of your competitors, you know, or the, which we've worked with before and they're fine and they do transcripts. You're right. It is commoditized. Everyone does transcripts. You know, you can compare your dollar per minute price or whatever, but I think we're looking for something a little bit more. And I think about, about what you guys do, which is sort of, I think of it as the quantification of the qualitative part of our process. Um, and we're thinking about how do we quantify the qual? And, and in general, we don't think about like quant and qual because we have surveys with long form open-ended, right? And you guys are quantifying this. So it's all jumbled up. But I do think about how to, um, how to layer on 
some level of mathematics to, to better understand meaning behind what people are saying. So the more we can quantify the interviews and the more we can dig at uh, high level qualitative insights in the, in the quant side, in the survey, like that's us doing our job, right? That's us living up to the promise of not being tied to any one tactic and being totally agnostic, right? We, I'm not saying something's has to stay in qual. I'm like, all right, let's, let's throw it over to speak and see what they can pull out of it. So a lot of times we're looking at those transcripts, one, just to go back and pull out some of the gems, some of the quotes. Um, you might do a 45 minute interview and you're getting the shape of the story, which you need, you need all 45 minutes, but you might land on two quotes in that whole interview or one quote, but that it perfectly encapsulates the thing that you were trying to prove. Um, you know, a lot of times on our projects, I say that like, it's not, it's not really our, like, yes, we lay on, on our own thoughts, but it's our job to be the like conduit between the people and the brand that we're working with. It's our job to like, to, to serve the, the, the end user customer, to serve the person in the right way. Um, and so that means picking out the things from interviews that we think are going to be most powerful in getting an organization to act and understand what's really going on in these people's lives. So um, I think from like a quote pulling standpoint, that's, that's a big one. Um, but the other one is just like, what themes keep coming up? Like you, you might do, like we did something for um, a large pharmaceutical company and we talked to, um, how many was it? Like 40 neurologists. And I did like the bulk of those interviews. I'm not a neurologist. Um, you know, you might be able to sell and being able to go through uh, uh, an aggregate of those transcripts is something, what am I going to do? Listen back to 40 hours of audio. There's no way. So you guys take that 40 hours uh, and you shrink it down into what I would have learned if I had, if I had sat there and listened to 40 hours of audio and took copious notes and then drew, you know, the, like, um, the, uh, Charlie meme from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah all over the wall. That's <laughs> yeah, me, exactly. right? I got, I got the strings with the push. Yeah. You guys are doing that for me, right? Instead of me sitting there and drawing my things and my, my strings all over like a crazy person, um, you guys are doing those. You guys are the strings. And you come back and you now you just saved me 40 hours and uh, a lot of headache because you were able to draw the connections between the different things across 40 interviews. It's just the volume. Right. So how do you bring that volume down? How do you make that volume digestible? Um, and how do you turn it into something useful for us? And I think that's we're at the beginning of understanding yeah. the, your power to do that. Right. I think we're in like inning one or two and understanding all the ways we can layer your stuff on to ours. Right. We've never even done it for open ended responses and survey. Right. Mm -hmm. We've never done that. We could do that. What would that look like? So anyway, I, all that to say, um, big benefit of transcripts. And I think we're early days in terms of the power of doing those well. Yeah, no, I just one one thing that stuck out to me throughout my career is something that you touched on really nicely there, which is like, people want the information, but too much information is overwhelming. And yeah. so for you, if you just dumped all that, like, they, you know, the, the amount of human effort to take the process is, is just ridiculous. And so trying to figure that out, and even 
voice is so rich. Transcripts are so rich with information. How do you make these decisions on what is truly valuable? What do you display back to you, back to the client who gets right. the final report? What a right. challenge and interesting thing that's uh, that's actually being taken place there. You I'm done. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I drilled you with questions, Ben. I'm you know. No, I, it's, good. I, I, <laughs> it's, it's both things, though, right? It's like the words that they're saying, but it's also the tonality. And I know you guys yep. try to like infer tone through the words, um, but I just think there's so much richness, richness there. Uh, I saw a platform Justin sent it to me that actually is doing surveys via voice responses. Mm. So you're getting the answers yep. in voice. Uh, and I'm talking to them on Tuesday. What are they, Justin, voice form? Something nope, like Justin's that? Justin's on mute. He's uh, going. Uh, yeah, I think it's voice form. Like I, I think, you know, all, all of these things are kind of triangulating. I know you guys are friends with the Yak guys as well. Of course, yeah. And you start looking at like, okay, Yak plus speak plus voice form, you start like triangulating. Um, and what's the commonality? I mean, one is like agile companies who are building new shit all the time, but the other thing is voice. And I yeah. think we're gonna see a huge revolution around voice technology. Um, and we're gonna use it. We're gonna use it a ton at nonfiction. We already have. I'll just add, there's a very interesting pad that came public today from Spotify that's doing speech analytics on emotion and tone to actually yeah. basically uh, recommend and generate the next song for you uh, as well. So there's going to be a lot more technology applied as as this analysis increases and the capacity continues. So very interesting stuff, very interesting sort of macro trend that we're seeing in the world in general. Justin. You're off mute. What do you have to say, friend? Oh, I was yeah, I was just going to confirm, just give a little bit of a plug for another Toronto company. So yeah, I got a, a, a cold DM um, from somebody at Voice Form yesterday as a podcaster. They want to create it as like how to podcast host interact with their audience, and um, like we always do, took it in a completely different direction. So I think they're going to have a beta available as early as next week, and it's just not my business to say when their beta is going to be available. Uh, What's going on in Toronto? What do you guys have that's going on in the water? Or the, uh, it, it seems like every other company I see that I like these days is from Toronto, and I just don't know what's going on up there. Maybe you guys aren't distracted by the news the way we are down here. Well, the I mean, uh, I mean, so Vatsal and I actually moved to Toronto right before the pandemic. Okay. So we saw the the magic and the beauty of Toronto pre-pandemic. We believe it will restore, and that's why we're still here in Toronto. But uh, there isn't a a. a, a prosperous tech community in the city and just attracts really high talent. I know there's lots of changes happening in the world right now. And there's people who are, you know, leaving cities to go outside and, and buy, you know, single town, you know, families with, with homes. But there's a lot of people who I think are really connected to the tech community and want to network and, you right. know, that, that speed of innovation, the speed of communication that you can have with some of these teams being as technically advanced, but also conceptually advanced, just living in Toronto. And uh, it's pretty incredible place to be. So um, I can't say exact, but there's a lot of people, a lot of tech. That's I'm not sure if you have anything to add there. Um, it's, it's a great place to be. And voice technology specifically has a big footprint in, in, in Canada and Toronto. Yeah, specifically, I would say the voice technology uh, is like I, I'm part of, I, I think we talked before, but it's like part of the voice tech global, which is like the global voice community in Toronto. And it's like you can feel and see that energy if you are into that room. It's like how much people are involved with the technology. And that technology is one part, but the innovation uh, with the technology is the whole new era. What we see, uh, I think, so in Toronto, uh, specifically on the engineering side, that's incredible. 
Yeah, we, we have some push weird pushes too. Like not weird. They're good. Like neurotech. There's a big neurotech community yeah, yes. in Toronto, several big like accelerator programs, um, and some pretty world renowned places in terms of where do you take your company specifically if you're in Canada, but for example, creative destruction lab, there's come all over the world. They'll fly in to come to the creative destruction right. lab and, uh, some incredible people there too. So yeah, very interesting place to be. And we, we hope, we hope to see it restore soon, uh, to the former glory with the, the meetups and the networking events and everything. They were amazing things you'd go to a place on a friday night thinking that there'd be like 10 people there and you go and there's like a hundred people who are just <laughs> trying to up upskill uh, on a friday night in toronto and like yeah. that's when you know you're in the right place well uh joe just sent you some vaccines i think he sent you a couple vaccines appreciate uh, that joe yeah <laughs> well, you know, none of you look like you would qualify but that's okay that's okay uh, we'll do our best and then Ben, we know you've only got a couple minutes left. Justin, I don't know if you're hanging around after or you're hopping off at 1230. I, I can hang out for about five minutes to 1235. So cool. I can, I can do about the same. Yeah. Ben, any, any last things that you want to, you know, anything, last things that you want to talk about specifically, anything that you wanted to share while we're uh, all gathered here today? Um, yeah, I has I almost hesitate to share this one because I'm just, we're going to kind of see how this one goes. We, a lot of our reports, there, um, there's nothing to disagree with really, right? We're like, all right, banks should banks should uh, help people make more money, not just wait for people to have more money. And everyone's like, yeah, it seems, seems reasonable. Um, but we're doing a report that comes out next week. Um, there's like a little teaser video at a URL called, uh, the URL is Saving Americans from the News. And uh, we're launching a new report and it's probably, I didn't think it was a controversial topic, uh -oh. but in some, <laughs> in some beta testing around, uh, uh, around some uh, like page tweets we did. I'm curious to see how this one shakes out. So anyway, that's our new report. I would be remiss if I did not plug it, but uh, I do it with a slight bit of hesitation because I'm like, I'm waiting for the storm of people not liking what we're trying to say for whatever reason. So anyway, you take a look. Hey. Good luck, my friend. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll include the link. And, you know, I guess there's that idea of all, you know, all press is good press, but uh, <laughs> we'll monitor that. <laughs> we'll monitor that. As, I think as we, we took, I thought we took down everybody, but I think uh, sometimes when I, you take down everybody, then people are mad that you didn't just take down one group, but uh, we'll see if that, if that holds or if that plays out. But I think it's a really interesting look at how news, journalism, media, whatever you want to call it, how that's devolved over the last few years and sort of what it's done to our lives, right? Like we have stats in there around uh, percentages of Americans who have sent um, an article to someone of another political view just to agitate them, right? And it's like, that's not nice. That's not good human behavior, but it's like, it's over like 20% of Americans, right? So you're like, all right, how many American adults are there? Oh, okay, 220 million. So we're talking about like 44 million people being like- A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can take a look at this like, <laughs> your day. Like, but but then you have to look at it from the other side too which is 44 million americans using that as like a baseline are doing something well we should look at that and we should study that and try to understand what that thing is um whatever that phenomenon is so on one hand it's you know like uh not good behavior but it still deserves to be understood so a lot of the report is trying to dig into that um you know us we're always trying to go after some really um, juicy topics. And then the one that came after that, I think you guys just got the transcripts on this one um, or, or, or are about to is hiring. So uh, a little state of like corporate hiring, not gig economy stuff. We're gonna save that for follow-up, but all the ways in which the hiring process is broken, which I think all of us have experienced at some point in our lives, um, but definitely with a nonfiction take and then trying to 
rebuild what a better vision could be. So that's where we are. Wow. We're having fun, man. Yeah. No, I can tell. We're busy. Actual, yeah, seriously. I'm coming. Report's going. It's good. I'm glad to hear it. Well, I guess, you know, I know we're coming out of time. Tim, Vatzel, Lauren, any questions for Ben before he, he gets off? Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to both the articles and, and I don't know if you know the Scotia Bank it's in Canada and they have the taglines like you are richer than you think uh, yeah. that is their tagline <laughs> so it's like you know motivate you to get richer it's like very interesting but looking forward to that and Ben like I just have one question I know we uh, uh a couple of times but I never got a chance to ask you that one uh, which is also on your website and also what you do and you, you explain beautifully the whole process you do at Don Friction but there is a, there is a two terminologies you use, which is uh, you know research the research sprint. So the research sprint is basically what we follow also is like in general on the engineering side at all. So like how different you see in terms of the research sprints? Very interesting. Is like stuck to my mind. It's like always wanted to ask you. It's like because you say that that's one week to two week research time. It's like how hard is that? It's like what does that look like? It's pretty interesting. It's hard. Yeah, we had to grow into the research sprint a little bit. Um, we sell these full big studies. It's like eight to 12 week monsters for, you know, that's what Goldman's buying, uh, Marcus by Goldman. That's what Disney, Viacom, those guys are doing. But um, we had an early conversation with um, a, I think he's their chief strategy officer. He'll be, he won't be mad at, because he's a nice guy if I get his title wrong. But I think he's CSO at uh, Arts and Letters, a guy named Andy Grayson. Uh, and he was like, hey, uh, agencies are never going to buy your eight to 12 week studies. We don't have eight to 12 weeks. So you won't have eight to 12 weeks either. We're like, okay, aha. Um, and so what we did was we designed a smaller version of the nonfiction process to go to those agencies. So we work now with, um, the Martin agency, which is down in Richmond, um, their agency of the year, um, this year, um, organic BBDO, Campbell, Ewald. Um, we worked with a ton of them because of that little piece of advice, which was, Hey, take, don't, don't, um, don't do less good research, right? Don't like take away parts of the process, but you need to be able to shrink it. And so the way we do that is we shrink the question. Instead of trying to solve like the state of the thing, we solve something here. Um, it's, you're still doing the interviews, you're still doing immersion if we can fit it, you're still doing quant, um, but we're just doing it on a smaller kind of question. So that was our, that's the way we've served that part of the market. And we didn't originally, right? We were losing projects left and right because we were coming in with eight to 12 week timelines for an agency that had to go to pitch in four weeks. So we had to do some right sizing there, but that's what the sprint, that's where the sprint came from. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, you, you said earlier that... in a business, right? Where you're like, you're like, well, that didn't work. We'd like to do this. We have to make a change with it, you know, but that's also the beauty of being in a small company. You guys have the same thing, right? Yeah. Something's not working or could work better. You just you yeah you you said earlier your biggest problem was just uh summarizing like way too much information trying to bring it all together i'm just wondering if that's the uh the biggest problem you face or if there's something that's really a bit more painful than that hmm. oh there's pain all over uh <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah that's a lot of it is is Deluge of information is, is high on the list. Um, not retreading the same kind of stuff that's been out there or been found and trying to come at things with a new lens or some unique point of view. Um, that's definitely one. 
And then maybe this isn't a problem with the research, but it happens after, which is like making sure that the research is used in the company and that it does turn into something where our hands kind of come off a little bit. Um, and, you know, most of the time you see it turn into something, but I think, you know, it's hard, it's hard, right? Cause you're, it's your, it's your baby. That research project is your baby for each 12 weeks and you hand over like a, a new vision for something. And then sometimes like nothing happens with it because budgets get cut or the team switch or whatever. So it's our job to keep making sure that um, we're making implementation as easy as possible. We've actually started tapping a consulting firm um, to kind of come in after us and drill it home because we think it's, it's just good for nonfiction ultimately to see our stuff in the wild more, right? So it's not like, oh, we did that, that great research um, and it's being used as an internal secret, super duper secret strategy document. We want it to see it as like, oh, did you see the thing that Wells Fargo did? Yeah, that was from our research. That thing that you saw on the commercial or on their website, that was from us. Um, and so that's a challenge, but yeah. continuing to work through it. So um, thank you guys for having yeah. me. Just a yeah, blast. Yeah. I, I, love, I love listening to these. And I, uh, this started with me just sending you a note, which is like, <laughs> oh, I love these office hours. And um, I don't know, I just appreciate the, uh, the time and the good questions. And um, of course, yeah, great partners to work with. Yeah. Hey, well, we look forward to lots more. Uh, have a good, have a good rest of your day. Have a good weekend. We look forward to connecting and probably chat, chat with you next week. Justin, you're a little bit more quiet than normal. I know uh, we are asking Ben some questions. <laughs> ben, okay. you could get going. Just thank you again so much. Um, okay. can, can you show the gold mic quickly before you? There we go. Thing. He said that's the only color you can get, but uh, we're really a little... <laughs> no one believes me. That was it. That's all they had. Amazon Prime, man. All right. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate Thanks, it. And I'll talk Thanks to everybody. Soon. Thanks for having me. Right. Bye. Justin. I can hang out for a couple more minutes. So. Yeah. What are your thoughts after that? Oh, so, yeah. I, I always love to hear it. And I forgot the uh, the the mic, the, the camera being off for the uh, for the interview piece of it. I think that's I think it's really um, interesting to create that confessional. And I've been talking a lot about just, you know, the, the cost of zoom meetings and the, you know, the cognitive load that comes into those. And so I'm so excited about the voice first stuff. So yeah, great conversation. Especially yeah, when you get too many people, so many people on a screen at once and you're trying to process and see everyone's having a good time while you're talking, like it's just a sort of overwhelming load to actually yes. manage, especially as you as a moderator of conversations. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. But that's a beauty with the audio now. Like, you know, it's like, it's about giving an opportunity in, there is no video. So it's like, for example, the clubhouse, the beauty is with the clubhouse is like, and also other, other tools similar to the clubhouse, like just the audio. So you can get a chance and, and you don't see any emotions on the faces. It's like sort of a two sides of that thing. Mm. It's interesting, yeah. the audio and voice only options. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple, um... I got to bounce this. There's a couple of things I can plug that I'm just like hot topics real yeah, quick. Definitely. So um, also just still in it. I know Tim's in it too. The uh, implementing the art of impossible, which I think is the, the roadmap and the if then statements for uh, creating impossible results. So I'm excited about that. Um, there's a new tool that I've been messing around with called talk.social. Um, I think they're an alpha right now, but what they do, they're, um, uh, it's uh, they create uh, 
experiences for people to be able to build relationships very quickly. So, you know, I, I've, I've been on a clubhouse room called the uh, unstuck.show for the last couple of days. Um, and just going to plug into the next thing that I'm really excited about. Um, and, and it's great. You get a lot of information, but it's tough to build relationships. So uh, the uh, um, it's talked out. Yeah. Talk social is starting to solve that with some, some, some synchronous sessions. Um, to be able to build intimacy very quickly. The third thing, the fourth thing that I'm really excited about right now is creator coins. Um, Rally seems to be the leader in this space right now, rally.io. Um, there's a particular coin, it's the AMA coin, the Ask Me Anything coin um, by a gentleman named Gregarious. And I've only seen his last name written, mm. not spoken. <laughs> so I think it's it's like N-A-R-A-I-N. So I'm going to say Narain, but I could be completely off. Um, we had a conversation this morning. I'm going to be working um, with that coin, like one is investing in that coin and really starting to drive community. Because what's, what's beautiful, I mean, it's, it's much easier um, for the world to invest in a human being than in a company and everything that's involved with them. And I think there's something very special when I give some feedback to somebody and they come back to me with $20, which is exchangeable for, you know, that value, you know, in the coin, I will share something that is probably, I shouldn't be sharing about the platform this morning. One of the coins went from $2 us to $500 us in about a period of two hours. Um, I think that that was probably a glitch and that wasn't the market <laughs> driving that up. Rally's been down for a couple of hours. I have no idea what it's about. I probably shouldn't even be talking about it. Um, I own five of those coins that I got for free. Um, I exited hey. two of those coins. I didn't exit into dollars. <laughs> I exited into other rally coins. But it's, it's just a very interesting market um, to be able, you know, to, like I'm looking at each of these coins a little bit of startup. So I'm excited yeah. about that. Um, haven't had a lot of converts on it, but, um, you He'll know. Get but there. Oh, just, you'll talk them down. Yeah, you'll, I know. Exactly. <laughs> so it is. So anyway, yeah. So um, check out rally.io. I'm Justin F on there. And then I'm obviously excited about everything. Speak. Love everything that you guys are doing. Love you as human beings Thank and you, um, love these office hours. I'll come and do a whole, it was tough for me to bite my tongue for the whole thing. I know, I'm sure, I'm sorry. But I could have taken it in a totally different direction. So I just thank you so much. I really do appreciate you all. And um, I'm glad that um, I was here on week one when uh, Vatsal was a, a quantified self denier. Yep. I'm yep. glad that he's come around and he's more a fan of, of a quantified self. So yeah. uh, you're welcome for that inside joke. That's probably wasn't even funny. So that's oh, it. Was. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. That's for everybody else. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, we're, 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 get, we're, we're getting some fans here who are watching episodes and giving us feedback. So we're really, we're grateful yeah. for them. And we're seeing the views actually start to, I mean, when I say views, like from 20 to 30, but uh, those are real people and we appreciate them very much. Party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a great thing to be a part yeah. of. And I, I said last week, but like one of the people that we just hired on the team, one of the reasons why he seemed so excited about it was because he watched several of the office hours yep. and it's like that, that that same enthusiasm that you watch ben when he's talking about the work that comes through our office hours because we do care so much and it was like it's hard to not want to join a team that is so transparent and enthusiastic about that work so that's those are peripheral benefits i didn't actually think about but are coming coming to fruition and that's that's really amazing it's huge it's huge i love what the stuff you guys are doing and i'll uh, i'll come to another office hours in the next couple of weeks and uh, mix up a little bit more so thank Thanks, you so Justin. much have a good week all right all right love you guys talk to you soon timothy you were quiet. I'm sorry. I saw a couple of times you wanted to talk. How are you feeling? I, uh, how are you?
Well, actually, I didn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have um, done any better than Justin would. Uh, meaning that uh, it's it's fine. Um, I, I just had a uh, an, an idea of uh, of a. You know, they mentioned a lot. He, 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 when he mentioned how they perform um, audio-driven interviews is um, and essentially reduce not only the, uh, the load of processing the video, but they, they reduce the bias that, that Freud talked about a lot. And they tap into this sort of, they, they ameliorate the problems that human nature poses in um, in terms of openness and just talking your mind out, and um, if, you know the the way that you you also do similar type of research is look into Google search analytics. You see what people are typing into Google search, and you see you know uh, uh, political events, and you can you correlate it to to particular. Uh, jumps in, in, in searches, and this all really comes down to speech. And what I was hoping to mix in, um, or rather, um, I am doing it now. Now is that I actually wonder what would be the, what are the privacy concerns would be around Neuralink as soon as we do use it to chat, since you're going to be literally talking your mind out. While you can control your speech, maybe there might be, um, yeah, it's um, interesting. That was a very interesting point, Timothy, because I, I, I was I was watching, uh, I actually, it's on YouTube, it's in Naval, uh, yesterday's like ask any question uh, on the clubhouse. And uh, it was the question a person asked about, I think it was Sam, someone from CA is like, ask about the Neuralink and like the effect of the Neuralink because he was starting his business into the sort of the Neuralink. It's like, should I, it's like, what stage I am in? It's like, what do you think as a Neuralink, uh, what they are doing? And, and it's like Nawal's answer is always like very interesting. And what he responded is like, we don't know much about what they are doing yet in the Neuralink. It's like how far they are in terms of the science, scientific breakthrough and the philosophy. What he said, very interesting stick to my mind is like, this is not what at Neuralink they are doing. It is not more about the engineering. It is more about the philosophical and the scientific breakthrough. Unless until that's not done, it's too far. That can be done. What in his, just quoting his words, he said that can be done tomorrow or it might take next 50 years to get to have those breakthrough, uh, to have those neural links uh, playing a music in your mind or sending a message from brain to brain, you know, I'm sending a message to Tara right now. So that is more about the scientifically and, uh, you know, psychologically breakthroughs than the engineering side. It's like, we have no idea how far we are from that point. You know, one thing though, I, I, I would say in the study of the impossible, very well researched like by Stephen Cutler, Justin just talked about, um, from that standpoint, I, I can't agree with you. It's not impossible. And we actually do know when it's coming together. Something that we don't in the sort of as a comparison, we do not know whether we will ever have AGI. That we don't know because we simply don't have any, even, you know, the processing power to simulate just your 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 uh, nerve in the, in the retina takes up the supercomputer somewhere in Japan. Like that's, uh, we do not know that. But in the Neuralink, I've, it's publicly available information that they don't develop much technology. They hire, I mean, the hires over there are 
taking the technology that's been around since 1960s and been utilized in terms of uh, limb replacement, but that's uh, that's in, ter in terms of in terms of adding the ability to to well essentially transmit the nervous signal uh, wirelessly or otherwise uh, for people with disabilities of of of, dif of different sorts. Um, but that's uh, there. The, I mean, yeah, for sure that there needs to be a, a say there there will need there, there will be needed scientific breakthroughs. But the, the tech was there for more than what 60 years so uh, yeah. i would expect it to be around in 20 years and as as elon just recently been posting the cost will be within three thousand dollars of a eye laser surgery thing it is more about than like the financial cost or on the tech sides like what what type of fund we might have in the future but what i see is an opportunity to we are going and heading in the directions which like we might see the neuralink startups is other than like what neuralink is like you know into the neural tech basically it's like might be 10 15 companies working into the same directions and they might have a breakthrough in the future and uh, we might open up a, a lot of space but yeah that is a very interesting field and we might see a lot in the future uh, other than neuralink what they are doing with the tech and uh, on the engineering side. Lauren, how are you? Yeah. Oh, Good. 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 What hey. do you think? Got, got, got a question in at the end there. Oh, yeah. Oh, you kind of just reiterate what I would say. He wants to summarize and he wants to provide some level of value. Yeah. Um, not really sure about the whole uh, AI stuff we're just talking about there. <laughs> I'll, I'll send a link. I'll send a link, and if you are really interested, I would encourage you to watch that one. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely send a link. It's, two, it's two, only fifteen minutes, I would say. There's two things that I okay. thought were interesting. That was the original, I think, thing that Tim brought up, which was, uh, you know, just just communicating with just audio when you're not looking at someone's face versus actually seeing the face. And when you mm -hmm. shut off the stimulate, you shut off the stimuli and input of of voice Physical, or of, of yeah. yeah, your your sensitivity and your awareness of your own voice goes up, you know, uh, yeah, significantly. Yeah. When you right. close out like one sense, your other senses get heightened in a way. Exactly. So if we were all blindfolded right now, we'd be uh, much more eloquent speakers, maybe. Very, very that's, that's a beauty. That's what's going on with this whole audio thing right now. You can feel it on Clubhouse, like how much work yeah. people are putting into pronunciation and communicating. Because and the, I, I like you always see me. I cl I talk with my eyes closed, and part of that is that process. I can't if I'm looking at you while I do it. I'm thinking too much and I'm processing yeah. too much information. So it's I, like you're buffering. Yeah, it's and and then the other part, Tim, not to go too deep back into that, but like the thing that I'm questioning is like so the Neuralink part with you know movement of limbs and stuff but the part that you know is the very fascinating is when will you be able to uh yeah communicate messages and and you know uh make that universal so depending on your language cultural understanding how one brain um signals a, a single word versus someone else's and how long until we get systems that recognizes that across all languages and all people and brain types and sizes and everything and then the other part is is that a conscious I've seen, you know, work around it that it's a conscious thing. So you'd have to set like almost like an Amazon, like Alexa wake word that then actually triggers the actual communication so that it's not extracting subconscious or, you know, just below subconscious processing of language. It's more conscious messages that you actually want to send. Um, 
That's a very deep question in terms of, I mean, we were, we're eating, utilizing language in the same way. Our brains are totally different than, you know, to create a scan of just one brain will take us, will take us a while to create two. It'll take us two whiles. And then it's, it's, yeah. although it's scalable, um, yeah, the translation part is, is, it's even more than that. It's like how it's much you understand about the brain. It's like even your own brain. That the, the, the language doesn't matter because we dump an understanding of the language to the brain. Yeah, exactly. Brain was just an engine who like just the process everything, right? It's like we learn English, we learn uh, whatever the Hindi, French, Japanese, Chinese, but it's like we train our brain. It's like how hard is that to even understand about this multiple languages? It's like how hard is that for you, for example, Tyler, to learn uh, let's say uh, French or Hindi fluently at this age with, no. with all well, your sixth sense. There yeah. is a correlation of of the ability to connect ideas together, and it's the, that graph. The um, oh, I keep forgetting the name. Sina graph something. The graph when you take LSD and not, it essentially shows you how how you can interconnect ideas, which sometimes are not even connected. But that's the ability to actually learn a new language and start branching out. It's, it's like, yeah, you can know the word, but you don't know that word in a, in a different context. And while some people are, are more able to talk in one context, and indefinitely, like you, Tyler, can do, just fall into flow and forget about others. And it's, okay, no, no complaint here. Just, um, <laughs> <laughs> the the part it's 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 we have these areas of expertise and people develop it slightly differently you know we can go into deeply into one subject we can be generalists and it's we all know about that but it's like the, the it seems like the measure for this well and just your own your own your even the languages you know shapes your understanding of the world and what you what you comprehend too. So there's, I mean, we could get lost in this. I, I'll guess. Well, bring this back because we have nine minutes left. We had a great, awesome, you know, guest with Ben here, um, and Justin. Justin, I know again is uh, used to talking, so uh, you know, I felt I felt his pain. Um, but Ben also gave us, you know, wonderfully eloquent answers about the, like the amazing work they do at, at nonfiction, and uh, we've seen some of the studies that they've put publicly. And then we've also done some work around the research projects that they're doing with customers and clients. And it really is a beautiful process. You listen to the interviewers on their team. They're so talented at what they actually do. Um, is there anything, I guess, any thoughts as we sort of, yeah, just process what we just heard from Ben, anything that you're thinking, we're moving into our, you know, some d discussions on pricing. We're moving into discussions on a financial review and then also setting goals up for um, the next quarter. And just wondering if, if you see any connections of that, is there anything that we learned here today that can help guide us through these next couple of weeks as we try to have a really successful uh, second quarter in 2021? Yeah, that's a good idea for OKRs is focusing more on uh, like the output as far as like summarizing all the information that comes through. I really like that um, when it, they have, nowadays they have like the articles online and it's like, this is a five minute read. Here's a quick little summary, like a, uh, an abstract in a way. It'd be nice if there was some sort of way to do like an automatic abstract and to like uh, uh, like put into the system like what I want from this report. And then the, it goes and finds that and just throws that in the abstract for you. Get, get the access to GPT-3. Yeah, that's, I, that, I, I, yeah. <laughs> GPT-3, uh, yeah. the open AI. That's the aim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
we'll get access to that baby and see i don't even you know that uh, unlocks a whole other can of worms but how could do you really, get access to that uh it's a waiting list on it it's been in our trello cards for a while so it'll it'll come oh. but it opens up a whole can of worms and really also i think could uh depending on how we do that could unfocus our whole team uh and also get lost yeah. in the possibilities there it's sort of uh yeah a whole can of worms a lot of opportunity there lots of uh, a blank canvas where you can draw uh, different yeah. features yeah. <laughs> and can yeah Maybe about the mindset to go with to head into the new quarter is um, looking at at their whole business model, which is literally knowing, you know, going deep into the subject matter and and uh, being there in the field. We should apply that too. I mean, we, we have Leon. Oh, I shouldn't be talking about that probably, but UX research is something that we should perform ourselves or otherwise. Um, that's something that go out there in the field and and besides us using the system we definitely have users and have a very uh, sort of literally sit behind their backs and see how the use speak yeah. um, well and the other part that's interesting and i talked a little bit this earlier this morning in our actual team meeting was like this idea of like triggers and then like macro trends right and so what ben talked about is immersive research was not is not being done right now, of course, because of the pandemic, but they plan to do it again. And the original vision of speak in a way before the pandemic started was actually to make sure that we had, uh, you know, recording natively on your phones, so that if you were in an immersive environment like that, or in outdoor meetings that you still had an easy device for capturing, recording and analyzing it with the meta details at that exact moment, uh, as well, too. So as we start to see this emerge from what we're doing now, where we're on zoom calls all the time, and those are the inputs, as the world does come back together, zoom and these, they will still be continue to be inputs, but there will be these other ones out in the real world and speak as a lot of potential and value uh, as that actually takes place. One thing stick to my mind is like what he talked about at last is like, okay, the research understanding about the user. And when Lauren, you ask about the challenges, the one point he pointed out about having understanding, making sure that they implement that in the uh, you know, that's advertisement or the company website or anything, the implementation of the research is more important at the same time, also doing the research, you know, the whole analysis done and the report generation and everything. That's a one part, but if, if it is not implemented, that's a pain that is make sure that, that that's supposed to get executed properly. It's like the same thing is like if we build something and, and okay, we, we do everything, but if it is not uh, sort of executed or not implemented on the user's end, then there is a gap. That is then that's a, there is a pain, even yeah. let's say, you know, in terms of the learning. So we just have to make sure that if we think, if we decide, if we plan, if we implement, it's supposed to get executed at the end on the user's end. It's like, it's not supposed to be on the speak platform sitting somewhere under a tab. Or Outcome versus like, output, yeah. sort of. Well, yep. we've, we've had that we've had that gap before, for example, this is a, maybe not directly related, but like people coming to the system, uploading it and not realizing the transcript editor was available. So mm. not seeing the yes. full implementation of what was actually possible with the system. Possibly. And I saw this with my own life when I was specifically when I was doing the Google ad grants for nonprofits, mm -hmm. plug in their system, $10,000 a month in advertising, send tons of traffic to their site, build this incredible report that showed everything that was happening make recommendations and just not having the capacity to implement the changes that were required and how frustrating mm -hmm. that was for myself. And, and so it really connected with me when Ben talked about that of putting so mm -hmm. much effort into something 
and even you know there's there is a gap though right like if 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 it's not implemented it means that you didn't communicate it effectively enough like i know there's always limitations within the organization there's capacity issues but if you truly hammer the point and deliver the information in the way that it needs to be there will be no other choice but for the organization to make those changes to do that implementation so how can we help ben with that delivery and so maybe maybe part of it this is assuming now but like the qual is because it's, some of it is so qualitative that if we could get more quantitative analysis that it's so data driven that they can't they can't ignore it like what are these things and what are these blockers from that implementation standpoint that we can actually help and solve that gap because that is a true pain one that he's experiencing their team's experiencing other research teams are experiencing and many people doing marketing or analytics or intelligent works are actually experiencing too yeah and one thing he also pointed out about how speak helps them to say that 40 hours instead of watching and listening the whole audio clip and figuring it out figuring out the theme around that around in that bucket of the the audio it's like how we can improve in that directions like give more insight around that theme it's like oh they are talking about hiring but in the hiring they are talking about x y and z so it's like how we can improve that to provide more insight or maybe just giving them more like uh control over um like organizing it too because like we take all their information which comes with us in a big block and then we uh, break it down into like different blogs, like keywords, transcripts, all the different forms of information that is available in that one block. But then after that, they don't really have the ability to like just pull out and uh, take what exactly what they want. Like we provide them with like the buffet, but we don't provide them with like the plate to put all the stuff that they actually want on. Interesting. Spot on. Yep. Food analogy. I love it. Wow. Right. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> relationship between relationships between entities is something that we um that uh we should look into this at least uh every have, have a an exploratory project at first but um having a network of of interconnected interconnected idea, ideas in relationship with time is something that um um we're doing what we're doing right now is lauren you're you're exactly correct we're, we're taking the bulk of media generating bulk of insights and and uh, outputting a bulk of them without any um, uh, necessarily meaning making. And, and we're also, you know, besides the dashboard, we're also keeping the analysis, like one of the dreams that we've all had has been how can we, you know, one of the gaps that we saw was, you know, companies processing files individually but what we saw was this opportunity to process files on bulk, especially if you know uploaded over time or different times of day. And so besides the dashboard and, and the deep search right now, we really don't have that much way to package up the analysis of multimedia files into summarizations. And you know, I just think of Ben's you know, example with nonfiction is like, you know, if they ask, for example, consistent questions throughout those interviews, we now have a consistent data point that's then throughout. How can we look at that question over and over again and then group all the answers together and pick the themes or the keywords out of those answers specifically that's truly saving work and time we're not quite there yet um i know we can get there and that that stuff's in the pipeline but you can hear if we could save 40 hours already how much could we save moving forward and if we could save them 40 hours or say 60 hours per project how many more projects can they do? How much growth can they have? How much value can they deliver for the people that they're working with? There's a lot of potential and, and opportunities there to yeah. work in the directions to having that system. Yeah. yeah. It's the foundation is already there. That's the beautiful yeah, thing. Exactly. And one last part I'll add uh, is like, 
he talked about that. I love this part where he mentioned that they had to do the condensed version of their engagements. So instead of doing eight to 12 weeks, they're like, we don't have that much time. We need to do two to four weeks or, you know, six weeks max. Yep, sprints. sprints, right? And I just- Research sprints. Research very, very sprints. It's about the part that I also thought about is like, you know, we have a new marketer onboarding and I, maybe this connection, the connection was, well, it's just marketing sprints. And then also choosing how, how can you make an impact in a short time? So when they have a, they, when they have a shortened time frame, all of a sudden it really prioritizes the questions that they're asking or, you know, the actual goal that they can have. And so hopefully this connection is making sense, but I just think of, you know, for example, our UX person even coming in three months engagement. By having that engagement, you put constraints on what you do, and then you really have to like maximize the choices that you make and the output and the actions that you make. So if you're trying to get results in, in marketing, SEO is sometimes difficult in uh, one month or two months or three months. As you extend it, you know that you can make this long-term effort. But when you shorten that timeline to two weeks, it's like, how could I make this crazy impact in two weeks that actually helps with growth? And, and just, yeah, just very, very interesting concept like you said, software development, research development, and then the, the implementation of constraints and time and delivering value. Yeah, because what, what I personally think is like, when we think as a one week sprint, we used to do the two week sprint before, yep. right? But what we converted in quarter one is like, let's do the one week sprint because you start thinking, personally, I started thinking in just the whole different directions. It's like, okay, we want to achieve 10 things. Let's divide in five, let's divide in three. And you are just gonna ask the different questions, how you can resolve, quicker and also provide the value. It's not about just resolving the problem. It's also about providing the value at the same time. And it's like, that's very interesting point. I was like, if even in the marketing and the sales is like, oh, it's a two week sprint or one week sprint. What one thing you can do, it has so much value can provide in a month. You know, you can see that ripple effect in a month and two. It's like what only one thing, just focus. Everything else is fine. It's like one thing can achieve in that one sprint. Yeah, the whole course is different now. The whole recipe is different. Yeah, that you, you, creates a huge difference. You talked about, I don't know if you, I'm sure you saw it, but the Collison brothers at Stripe talked about how many uh, code changes they pushed in the year. And it was like 12 code pushes a day or something. Like it, it's insane. And 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 to, to develop and iterate that, that speed, you know, the other part that we talked about is the more iterations mm. you do, the quicker you mm. learn. Yep. And and in the end, that leads to greater success. So, what a powerful concept of just shortening that down and the prioritization that it gives to you. Uh, just beautiful thing. Um, it's uh, 104. I know we're, we're we're tighter here for time because we had that. I hope people enjoy Ben coming on. I hope if you're watching this or listening that uh, you you enjoyed that. You know, Ben is an expert at what he does and didn't talk too much about his past, but has I believe exited from companies twice doing what he's doing. And and Gunny, his partner was one of the head people at Vice, which is a massive organization, which was sort of changed how we viewed media and news and research and journalism. So it's an amazing team that they actually have there. And the fact that he gave 30 minutes uh, while he is so busy and doing all this was really nice. I hope he didn't feel like he just came and we just drilled him with questions. I know maybe we could have had a little bit more of a conversational tone, but I, I for anyone interested in this stuff, he made some amazing, interesting points that, uh, that I hope resonated with, with people who watch. Anything else before we uh, wrap this up? It's a beautiful sunny day uh, here. Any else that you guys want to talk about before we uh, wrap up? Office hours number nine. That was in, that was great uh, talking with Ben and Justin. It's always an honor to have on Speak Here Office Hours. So looking forward to more with the guests on Speak Here Office Hours talk about the problems and how Speak Here can help them to resolve those solutions.
problems. Timothy. Yeah, I think it's been more than enough. This is, I feel like this one office hour has had more content than all office hours combined. So I'm pretty wow. satisfied. Okay, good. I'd like to hear that. Timothy, good? My mind wanders a little, but building technology is like building planes. Planes are not energy effective. Birds are, um, but it's not engineer. Uh, in it's they're not as simple to build in engineering terms. Good thing we're building planes, mm. at least planes. Okay, I don't have much to say to that, Timothy. Uh, we've had a, we've had birds flight analogy. We've had food analogies here today. Yeah, we're. Uh, I, I'm pretty happy overall. I guess the you know just moving forward, we'll have another office hours next week. We're actually gonna. Oh no, we're not there yet, but uh, we're coming up on Good Friday. So one one week we're gonna have office hours on a Thursday coming up here, and uh, I'm not gonna get into it today. But some really interesting things I hope to share um, around some some growth marketing, some growth strategies, and I don't like the term growth hacking. But some really interesting things that we're exploring now and we'll be implementing and, and documenting uh, publicly and. Uh, continuing to build the, the value of speak and having wonderful conversations like that where we can really dig in and understand what people need and how we can help and, and pr provide true value. So that's an honor again. Thank you everyone who joined us. Um, appreciate this very much. Guys, Office Hours 9. Office Hours 9. Thank you. Fantastic. Have a good weekend.